Way back on episode number 15, I shared a list of my top 10 marketing books, specifically the books that I felt all restaurant owners needed to read. And while there were some popular titles on that list, I hoped uh, to be able to introduce you guys to some new titles as well. I still stand by that list. I'm always rereading those books, if not cover to cover, then at least uh, going through certain sections to get inspiration. More than that, I'm always using the lessons and strategies from those books in the work I do with my clients. I'm sure this is the case with many of you, but I am always reading new books to better understand my industry, to to get better at what I do, uh, trying to find new tactics, new ideas, better ways of reaching the people I need to reach. So on this week's episode, I'm giving you another top 10 list, a whole new bundle of books to put on your nightstand. Plus, I'll be sharing a few of the biggest takeaways from each of them. Stick around. There's an old saying goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for anyone who's looking. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close and this is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast dedicated entirely to the restaurant industry. Each week, we discuss the tools, tactics, and strategies that will establish you as a leader in your market. That means doing more covers and driving more revenue. Each week, we choose a topic. We pick that topic apart, we come up with some key insights, and then we finish up with an assignment. I always leave you with a short, actionable task, something you can do right away to start implementing some of the ideas we talk about here on the show, because as I say each and every week, information is only as valuable as the action it inspires. As George Bernard Shaw once famously said, education is wasted on the young. In my opinion, one of the best markers of a good education is whether a student is inspired to continue learning long after the lecture is done, after the, after the degree has already been earned. Have they been instilled with a desire to dig deeper, to understand the world around them and keep improving? I believe this holds true for everyone, but most especially for entrepreneurs and business owners. The second we get complacent is the moment we lose our edge and continuing education is the best way to combat complacency. It's why I read as much as I do uh, and take online courses. It's why I listen to a variety of different podcasts and quite literally, it's the reason I host this podcast because I want to pass on what I've learned to others so that all of you can use that to your advantage. And then hopefully you'll be inspired to pass along what you learned here on this show with the other people in your own lives. So maybe that's your staff or colleagues or maybe just friends and family. Paying it forward is a good thing. And remember, this podcast is all about marketing restaurants, but the lessons are applicable to to lots of other industries as well. So I hope I'm instilling in all of you a desire to keep improving and a drive to help those around you on their journeys. As I mentioned, we did this once before and it went so well that I thought we'd do it again. But before we dive into the new list of books, I want to go back and talk briefly about the original list, those 10 books I shared with you back on episode number 15. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, or if it's been a while, it might be worth revisiting. For those of you who don't have the time, I will give you the quick recap. 
So the first three books were written by one of my heroes, a guy I talk about an awful lot on this show, Seth Godin. He is one of our greatest thought leaders, uh, an inspired public speaker, and the best-selling author of nearly two dozen books. I chose three of my favorites to anchor the original top 10 list. So number one is Purple Cow. It's something of a manifesto for business leaders and entrepreneurs. Create something remarkable, he says. Uh, we're, we're too busy these days to notice things that are ordinary, too overwhelmed to, to register anything new unless it's remarkable. You have to stand out. You have to be able to show the ways in which you're different and give consumers a reason why your product is the solution they're looking for. That is the key of Purple Cow. Number two in the list was All Marketers Are Liars, again, also by Seth Godin. It's an interesting book because it talks about the quote-unquote lies all marketers tell. Now, I put lies in quotation marks because Seth is quick to point out that there are two kinds of lies, and he's not talking about the bad kind, right? So there are plenty of marketers out there that use misleading ads to get dollars, and we certainly do not strive for that. But on the other hand, there's a different kind of lie. Successful marketers, he says, learn to tell the consumer something they already believe. And he uses that as the basis for his entire book. I promise you it's worth checking out. If you've never read it before, put it on your list. Number three, then, is a book called Permission Marketing. Written more than 20 years ago, he was way ahead of the curve back then, and the insights are still just as revolutionary. Um, if you've followed me for a while, you know I am always urging restaurant owners to develop a comprehensive email strategy. This book is a great place to start to better understand the psychology behind why it works so well. Number four, then, we switch gears, and this is a must-read for anyone building a career in hospitality, Setting the Table by Danny Meyer. Uh, it's half memoir and half management how-to book. Um, you'll find a great mix of both tactical and strategic advice. I'm sure many of you have already read it, but if you haven't, go pick it up. Um, I should stop here and say that I'm including the links in the show notes uh, to all of these books, as well as all of the new recommendations as well, so no need to stress. Just go click any the links in the show notes uh, if there's a book that you want to read. Number five is a book called Start With Why. It was written by Simon Sinek. Um, in the beginning of the book, he outlines something he calls the golden circle. So three concentric circles all the way on the outside is the what, one ring in is the how, and then the center ring he labels why. He explains that most companies can tell you the what, literally what they do, and they can even describe the how, how they do what they do, or, or rather, how they differ from the competition. But very few, he argues, know why they do what they do. And his book implores all of us to start with why and build companies from the inside out. It's a short read, but also a brilliant read. Number six, then, Jab, 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 Right Hook by Gary Vaynerchuk. I know a lot of people out there hate this guy, but he is dead on in this book. It's basically describing this new economy, a value-based economy. And in it, he says that your relationship with your customer has to go both ways. You obviously expect to get something out of the exchange, but so do they. Jab, 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 right hook really means give, 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 ask. It really changed the way I thought about the relationship we have with our customers. Um, it changed the way I thought about transactions. Uh, really, go pick it up. 
Number seven, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Now, it's the first of three books he wrote that distill down the teachings of the ancient Stoic philosophers. This book has been used by Fortune 500 companies and Super Bowl winning teams. It's a, it's, it's a big deal. Um, uh, definitely a, a worthwhile read. Number eight, To Sell is Human by Daniel Pink. Again, another book that shifts the way we think and talk about transactions. He basically says that all of us sell for a living. In his book, he calls it moving people. It's about convincing people of something, persuading them, attracting them. And viewed in that way, it's easy to see how all of us are in sales. This is especially potent for uh, for marketers who are always trying to attract new customers or, or bring back old customers. Number nine, Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull, and number 10, This Is Water by David Foster Wallace. So I recommend these last two books more than any of the others on the list, and strangely enough, they really have nothing to do with business or marketing. Um, Creativity Inc. is a memoir written by Ed Catmull, uh, one of the founders of Pixar. Uh, It's all about the company's early days and how they were able to find their why and then maintain control as they went along on their own journey. Uh, The last one, This is Water, is actually the transcript from a commencement speech uh, by the late author David Foster Wallace, and it's something I return to a couple times a year. It takes maybe 15 or 20 minutes to read, uh, and and somehow it changes me each and every time. Those were the 10 books I shared on episode number 15, and if you haven't read them yet, maybe you forgot about the list or or lost track of time or never got around to reading them, well, now is the time. Again, the links are in the show notes. Do yourself a favor and go pick them up. So then, as we continue along on our journey together, and that's what this is, a journey, right? We're, we're learning more each week. We're getting better, making our businesses more profitable, Well, I want to make sure you have things to do between episodes. So from time to time, I share podcast episodes that have inspired me or or movies or books, all out of a desire to help you get better. So then, as promised, I've got 10 new books for you. Number one, Contagious by Jonah Berger. He is a marketing professor at the Wharton School at UPenn and a world-renowned expert on social influence and word of mouth and understanding why products, ideas, and behaviors catch on. Um, he's consulted for a bunch of Fortune 500 companies and shares all of his insights right there in this book. Um, he's methodical in laying it all out and diligent in making each specific point. Um, I read this book over the winter and I'm still trying to process it. Uh, it's packed with tons of useful knowledge. Basically, he boils it down to six areas. Having spent years studying marketing, he says, the things that catch on all have these six things in common. So first, social currency, meaning We share things that make us look good. That's why Amex has been so successful with their different colored cards, right? The platinum card means something. The black card says something about the holder. Second, triggers. What's top of mind gets to the tip of the tongue. So cue people to think of the product or recommend the product every time something happens. He gives dozens of examples of of how the world's biggest companies have successfully done this, often accidentally. Uh, His third point, emotion. Simply put, when we care, we share. That's why the ASPCA airs those heart-wrenching ads on TV or why those emotional video clips of soldiers being reunited with their families get shared so much on social media. The fourth area, public. 
Uh, what's meant to show is meant to grow. So in this chapter, the fourth chapter, he uses the example of the Apple logo and how originally the Apple logo was designed to face the user as they were about to open their laptop. And some marketing genius over at the company had the idea to flip it around. They were looking around at the coffee house culture with all these artists and entrepreneurs working out of the coffee shops. Once they open up their laptops, the Apple logo is on display for everyone else to see. Fifth, practical value. News you can use, he writes. Useful content gets shared, right? So certainly we've all seen and used like the the tasty videos to try new recipes. Well, the same rule applies. Provide value to your audience and they will reward you by spreading the word. And then finally, the sixth area, stories. We've obviously talked about this before. In fact, this is episode number 65, and perhaps my favorite so far out of all the episodes we've recorded is number 53. It's titled, How We Use Stories to Sell. We are storytelling creatures. Millions of years of evolution have made us that way. Details are easier to remember when wrapped up in the guise of a good story. So again, that's the first book, Contagious by Jonah Berger. It's a couple of years old at this point, but I only just read it and it still holds. It's a fantastic book. Number two, it's a book called Everybody Writes. The subtitle of the book is Your Go-To Guide to Creating Ridiculously Good Content. It's written by Anne Handley and she's equal parts cheerleader and copy editor. I write for a living and so I always love to pick up books like this, but they are not all created equal. This one stands heads and shoulders above the competition. I keep it on my bookshelf right next to my copy of Strunk and White's Elements of Style. I find it useful, entertaining, and insightful. Whether you're crafting e-blasts to send to your customers or website copy or blog articles or social media captions, this book will make your writing more concise and more compelling. Number three, then, Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. So uh, this book sat on my bookshelf for like two years before I finally remembered to read it, and I can't tell you how it transformed my work. Donald Miller runs high-end retreats and seminars for business leaders, and this book is basically a distillation of that work. He's basically adapted Joseph Campbell's work and applied it to marketing. Now, for those of you who don't know who Joseph Campbell is, let me take a slight digression. So he was an author and a professor of literature through much of the 20th century at Sarah Lawrence College. His most famous work is his book, The Hero with a Thousand Faces, which he wrote back in 1949, where he discusses his theory of what is now known as the hero's journey. He talks about an archetypal hero that's shared by the world's mythologies, basically a a character that appears time and time again across cultures, geography, and times. Everyone from Aladdin to Luke Skywalker, from Neo to Katniss Everdeen, Simba to Harry Potter. Uh, He points out that there are characteristics shared in each of those stories, in each of those characters, and there's a reason that we as humans gravitate to characters like this. Donald Miller has just applied those ideas to marketing, asserting that the most successful companies on the planet make the customer the hero. And it's a profound shift to consider. What happens when we strip away the About Us page on our websites and replace it with something that more directly answers the concerns our customers are feeling? So instead of it being about the chef's vision, it's all about the diner's experience. Basically, overnight, this book changed the way I approach my work, and I would urge all of you to read it. 
The next two have become marketing gospel over the years, uh, both co-written by Al Reese and Jack Trout. Number four is the 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing, 22 easy-to-understand laws that describe the parameters for success in any business. Despite the fact that the book was written almost 40 years ago, it still feels as fresh as ever. Uh, The examples don't really stand the test of time, given how much the economy has changed with the internet, but the lessons do still hold. So law number one, for example, is the law of leadership, and it outlines something we we talked about a, a few weeks back, being first in the market is better than having a superior product. We all remember the first person to fly across the Atlantic, but hardly anyone can think of the second person to do it. From there, they go to law number two, the law of category, again, something we've talked about over and over again on this show. A category gives the consumer some context. So if you can't be first, you better know a way you can differentiate yourself within that category. This is largely how Corona knocked off Heineken as the number one imported beer in the U.S., The Mexican beer positioned themselves in a way that the Netherlands brew couldn't, and it worked. The laws continue on like that, building one on top of the other. It's another quick read, but one that will shift the way you think about how you market your business. The other one then, number five, is called positioning, and this one really hammers home this concept that we've been talking about recently. Again, the examples are all outdated, but the lessons still totally hold well worth your time. Number six, then, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Laughable, I know, since so many of us are working 50-plus-hour workweeks, but if you've never read the book, hear me out. It's not about slacking off and, and figuring out how to work as little as possible. It's about getting clear with your goals so that you can make sure you're heading toward the right place. So in the book, Tim talks about how weird uh, retirement always seemed to him, the idea of retirement. So wait. We work hard in school, learning a bunch of crap we won't use in adult life just to get into a good college. We then work our butts off there for four years to get a good job. We then work even harder to get promoted so we can make more money to stuff into some retirement account so that when we're old, we can safely live out our last days till we die. For some reason, this is the vision that everyone has just collectively adopted, and and through the book, he's trying to understand it. In fact, he tells a story that's become kind of famous at this point, but I think it perfectly captures his perspective. So a little snippet from the book. An American investment banker was taking a much-needed vacation in a small coastal Mexican village when a small boat with just one fisherman docked. The boat had several large fresh fish in it. The investment banker was impressed by the quality of the fish and asked the Mexican how long it took to catch them. The Mexican replied, only a little while. The banker then asked why he didn't stay out longer and catch more fish. The Mexican fisherman replied he had enough to support his family's immediate needs. The American then asked, but what do you do with the rest of your time? The Mexican fisherman replied, I sleep late, fish a little, play with my children, take siesta with my wife, stroll into the village each evening where I sip wine and play guitar with my amigos. I have a full and busy life, senor. The investment banker scoffed. I'm an Ivy League MBA and I could help you. You could spend more time fishing and with the proceeds buy a bigger boat. And with the proceeds from the bigger boat, you could buy several boats until eventually you would have a whole fleet of fishing boats. Instead of selling your catch to the middleman, you could sell directly to the processor, eventually opening up your own cannery. You could control the product, processing, and distribution. Then he added, of course, You would need to leave this small coastal fishing village and move to Mexico City where you would run your growing enterprise. 
The Mexican fisherman then asked, But senor, how long will all this take? To which the American replied, 15 to 20 years. But what then? asked the Mexican. The American laughed and said, Well, that's the best part. When the time is right, you would announce an IPO and sell your company's stock to the public and become very rich. You could make millions. Millions, senor? Then what? To which the investment banker replied, Then you would retire. You could move to a small coastal fishing village where you would sleep late, fish a little, play with your kids, take siesta with your wife, stroll to the village in the evenings where you could sip wine and play guitar with your amigos. The book is filled with stories like that one. Tim presents ideas that challenge the way we think about our businesses and our lives. If you read it the right way, it will shift the way you look at the world. And even if you don't decide to change a thing, at least then it will be a deliberate decision as opposed to just going along with the herd. Again, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Number seven, then, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. This is really the precursor to Tim's book. It's an, it's an allegory about what it means to be rich and, and how to shift our mindset when it comes to money. I read this book about 15 years ago, and it changed the trajectory of my life simply because I, I came to understand what passive income was. If you've never read that one, do yourself a favor and pick it up. Number eight, then, is Tribes, another book by the one and only Seth Godin. It's all about finding your tribe, that smallest viable audience, as he calls it. Your true fans, as Kevin Kelly calls them. Super fans, as Pat Flynn would say. It's about finding your people, the ones who so desperately want what you have. In his marketing seminar, Seth Godin shares this phrase. It's like a mantra for those of us who have gone through the course. He says, people like us do things like this. Figure out the us and the this, and you'll have it made. Think about all the biggest brands out there. Apple, Coke, the NFL, BMW, Harvard, NASCAR. The list goes on and on, and they have each cultivated a tribe of people by answering that question. People like us do things like this. Number nine, it's a book called Primal Branding by Patrick Hanlon. This was recommended to me years ago by a friend who went to Wharton, and I've gifted it dozens of times. Um, he basically says that great brands are tapping into something ancient, something that speaks to our primal selves, this, this desire to connect and, and be a part of something. The author is this uh, advertising guru that's helped hundreds of companies bring products to market so he knows what he's talking about. And in his book, he shares the seven pieces of code that all great brands have. He says, number one, the creation story, meaning where you come from and how you came to exist. This is also called the origin story, something we've talked about on the show. Number two, the creed, which is about your why, defining your mission. If the creation story is talking about how you came to exist, the creed is about defining why you exist. Sounds like some of the things we've talked about in the past, no? Number three, the icons, meaning the symbols, the code, the way we visually communicate the brand ethos. So this can be anything from the Apple logo lighting up on a laptop to the Nike swoosh printed on a t-shirt to the, to the red bullseye that Target uses as their logo. Uh, prominent figures can also be icons for a company. Think of Richard Branson and Bill Gates. Uh, the next one, rituals. Hanlon says, these are the repeated interactions people have with your company. Make it so people enjoy these moments, look forward to these moments, and talk about these moments. This is like the scalp massage you get at an Aveda salon, or, or the pyramid of perfectly stacked golf balls you see at the practice range at Pebble Beach. 
Next is the pagans, right? For every believer, there is a non-believer. The pagans allow the believers to define themselves through contrast. Basically, it puts into practice the idea we talk about on this show. You can't be all things to all people. Or, Seth Godin hits on his book in Tribes, people like us do things like this. Not them, us. Number six, the sacred words. You must know a group's secret words to belong. So for Starbucks, that was the the way that patrons order, right? I'll take a tall, extra hot, skinny mochaccino. Skinny didn't exist before Starbucks. Tall was a description before before Starbucks. Now it's a a specific size. Or think of In-N-Out Burger and their animal fries. It's listed nowhere, but those who belong know the sacred words. And then the final piece, the leader, the one who can rally the movement. Best of all, the book works because Hanlon uses dozens and dozens of examples to make his point. Brands and products you know that help bring it all home. It's a brilliant book and again, well worth your time. And then finally, number 10, Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. In my original list, you'll remember I shared his first book, The Obstacle is the Way, and this one is perhaps even better. And and note that I'm finishing the list with a book that, again, seemingly has very little to do with marketing and business, but that couldn't be further from the truth. Holiday writes, Ego is the enemy of what you want and what you have, of mastering a craft, of real creative insight, of working well with others, of building loyalty and support, of longevity, of repeating and retaining your success. It repulses advantages and opportunities. Ego is a magnet for enemies and errors. Now, the book outlines three key themes over the course. First, live with purpose, not passion, right? So it starts by asking yourself, why do I do what I do? He continues, most people are not living on purpose, but rather just existing looking for their next form of distraction, wondering why they aren't happy and why they don't get what they want. As the saying goes, they drive to a job they hate to pay for a car that brings them to that job, which pays for the house they abandon during the day to go to that job. The ego loves the comfort of safety, but purpose and meaning often happen outside your comfort zone. His first theme is that we must challenge ourselves to be our best and to serve selflessly. Second then, talk less, think less, do more. You know that all things require work, he writes, and that work might be quite difficult. But do you really understand? Do you have any idea just how much work there's going to be? Not work until you get your big break, not work until you make a name for yourself, but work, work, work forever and ever. Why? Because that is how you will fulfill your purpose. That then, finally, all leads to the third theme, which I think ties in beautifully to the moral of this entire episode, and that is to always be a student. A true student, he writes, is like a sponge, absorbing what goes on around him, filtering it, latching on to what he can hold. A student is self-critical and self-motivated, always trying to improve his understanding so that he can move on to the next topic, the next challenge, and there is no room for the ego there. So there it is. Ten more books for your nightstand, and I hope you'll pick up a couple of them in the weeks ahead. In fact, that is your assignment. Please pick up at least one of these books and start reading. Like I said earlier, you'll find the links to all of them in the show notes. If you have any thoughts to share with me, please don't hesitate to get in touch. Email me directly, chip 
at chipclose.com. That's C-H-I-P-K-L-O-S-E.com. And let me know what you think of the list or let me know if there's a book I should include the next time we do one of these episodes. As always, I want to thank you for tuning in. If you like the show, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review on either Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. All those five-star ratings just help boost our rankings, which means we get to broaden the community, broaden the conversation, which in the end helps all of us. I appreciate all of you being here. Stay creative, and I will see you again next week.